0: Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you along with Tony Morrell, the GCI. Plenty of football topics to get to here on our Wednesday show. Uh, And Tony, uh, sometimes things that get out on the message board end up being a little prophetic. Um, I was on the bigspur.com yesterday and noticed somebody was uh, talking about slash complaining about the fact the Gamecocks didn't have a 2021 commit so far. And then lo and behold, around eight o'clock last night, the Spurs up comes through the Twitter. South Carolina gets their first commit for 2021. Uh, defensive back slash athlete DeMarco Williams from Atlanta-Westlake. Um, just looking at him on film, you know, I, I do think he's got to get a little bigger uh, weight-wise, but that's something that usually can happen. Um, but I like him. I mean, I, I think he's quick. He's fast. Uh, South Carolina overall needs to get faster as a roster. Um I know he was a guy that was at the junior day that had a good time, and, you know, South Carolina kind of took the lead for him then. But, you know, your thoughts on this uh, – it's not the first commit because there was Lavoisier Carroll, but it's the the first one now since Carroll's decommitted, but this uh, first commit for the 2021 class.
1: Yeah, he's a a player that that South Carolina likes as a cornerback and uh, had a a source I spoke with today that – that said the coaching staff believes he's one of the best cornerbacks in their recruiting footprint. And they were really excited, uh, to, to have him on board. Um, you know, like he said, he was at the junior day over the weekend, had a, a good time, really connected with the coaches, especially will Muschamp and Travars Robinson and, and, uh, decided that, that he was ready to make a decision so he could focus on, uh, you know, just getting better as a player going forward and, and spend less time on recruiting. So, you know, sometimes these early commitments, you you, you have to, to, to keep a close eye on them because you never know, especially some of the guys out of Atlanta have a tendency to, to make an early commitment and then reopen things. But I think in terms of, of just getting him on board and, and being the kind of player they need, like you said, good speed, uh, playmaking ability, and, uh, you know, someone that, that the coaching staff has, has been high on for a while, they were happy to, to have him be the, the first commitment
0: yeah, certainly, and and I, I think Westlake too. You know, all, all those schools—Westlake, Booker T, Washington, Tucker, um, Stevenson—you know, a lot of those schools in Atlanta. It's it's never a bad thing to get a kid uh, out of some of these places because they have players every year, and you know you can sort of get a get a pipeline going at times. Uh, Georgia and the rest of the SEC obviously recruits Atlanta heavily, but uh, you know sometimes you know like like a situation at Tucker High School now. Uh, the Gamecocks do quite well uh, at Tucker because they've gotten a lot of players out of Tucker. Um, and, and so I, I think that's another part of it where uh, pretty good first commit. When I watched him on film, I, I really thought, you know, th- this guy has a little bit of moxie, plays fast, reminds me of a, you know some of those kids out of South Florida that play defensive back that aren't, you know, they're not big, but they will hit you and, and they play uh, with a lot of speed and a lot of foot quickness. Um, thought he had good hips. Uh, you know, most of – a lot of his um, you know, film is at safety. But when you see him on offense in some of the, the clips that he has on huddle, you can kind of see he's got that shake. Um, and that's what you got to look for in corners, change of direction, hips, those types of things. Uh, and he's got that. Uh, he's got that a lot. I mean, I think the guy could be a receiver if he wanted to be. But um, certainly a, a pretty good pickup, uh, I think, to get things started for 2021. Uh, especially considering, Tony, uh, that in my opinion, with the state being somewhat down, um, and it's getting a little better, but it's still down, um, with what's happening in North Carolina, with the 4-8 record, with the hot seat talk that will inevitably happen this offseason. You know, this staff's facing some headwinds. So the earlier you can get some momentum going, uh, the more you can get talented guys um, in the boat, I think the better because there's going to be some rough waters ahead uh, regardless of what happens between now and when the season starts.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and one thing the staff has shown a propensity for is, is holding on to, to commitments. Now, every school is going to have some decommitments here and there. It's, it's part of the process. But uh, you know, Even with the way the season went this year, they kept the entire recruiting class intact and then added Jordan Burch on top of it in December. And, you know, that was a, a you know really a, a big deal, I think, for the coaching staff and said a lot about them in terms of their organization and communication. And uh, so, you know, like you said, the majority of this class is going to come from out of state. So the more guys like this from Georgia and, and North Carolina, maybe even some from Virginia and Florida, uh, the more more these guys that can get in the boat, the better. And, and, you know, you like their chances to hold on to at least the majority of them based on, on what history has shown us with this staff.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that that's just something that, you know, can't be stressed enough. Sometimes from a positive standpoint is, you know, in, in, and I'm not defending – Going four and eight this year i'm this is not something I'm going to defend or uh, I don't think anybody should defend, but when you when you a lot of times you know it's how you respond to adversity and I think that's true with life and anything um and, and I think holding on to the commitments they did and then getting birch and we're going to get to that in a second um is responding about as well as you could be expected to respond because honestly Tony a lot of a lot of staffs I think they would have been in some trouble. I think they would have seen massive decommence. And it's not like, I mean, you know, you look at Miami coming after Trey Jones. Um, You look at a lot of other schools, you know, trying to get in and and poach players. Um, And the Gamecocks held on to them all. It wasn't like they were just sitting on a bunch of guys nobody wanted. So um, hats off to them for that. Uh, I think that was very, very impressive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Dominic Hill and, a uh, Scott. There was there were multiple guys that had big programs trying to flip them, and and you know, they held firm. And uh, you know, like I think I said on on last week's podcast, it also says a lot about the quality of the players and people that they've had in this class and their character that they all decided to stick together and 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 not take the easy way out. Uh, they knew they were were coming into. Uh, you know, a scenario that's going to require improvement and, and they're ready to come in and do their part to make it happen.
0: Yeah. Just looking at Hill and Scott, you had the big 12 champions coming in and trying to flip Hill and you had the PAC 12 champions coming in and trying to flip Scott. Um, and, and then you beat the national champions, the national runner ups and the SEC East champions on Jordan Birch. And, and so, uh, and you can even throw in that Virginia was the ACC coastal champion Uh, And tried to flip Alex Huntley. So it it wasn't like they were going up against programs that, you know, were trying to maybe sneak in there and get them. And um, those were legit programs with legit interest. So hats off to them for that. Well, speaking of Birch and Huntley, now, I I knew this was going to happen. In fact, it's, what is it, January 22nd? Uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen these rumors before now, to be honest. Of course, the the contact period just kind of came back online. Uh, Jordan Birch, Alex Huntley. Lots of rumors out there uh, with various outlets that have lent, lent, lended credence to them. Um, just what I'm hearing is, is that it's just some smoke. Uh, I expected there to be some smoke. And even if there's a little fire there, I'm not surprised. But what have you been hearing about Jordan Birch and Alex Huntley? Both, both those, Just for those that don't know, un, they're unsigned. Uh, they're recruitable student athletes despite their commitment to the Gamecocks. Uh, what's the latest on the Hammond duo? Certainly two very big pieces of the 2020 class.
1: Yeah, I, I checked with several sources yesterday when when uh, you know the rumors started swirling that he may visit, he being Birch, may visit Georgia this weekend unofficially. He's already been there for an official visit. Uh, and I have no doubt Georgia staff is, is trying to get him to visit. I, I, I know they would love nothing more to get him back on campus and get the opportunity to resell their program to him and and, and have one more in-person pitch to him and his mother. Um, but no one I spoke to yesterday was aware that that a visit was planned. Uh, now, I certainly can't completely rule it out because his mother you know, keeps things quiet and, and doesn't like a lot of things to be written. Uh, about him and and you know she has her own way of handling the recruiting process so there's no way i can say with 100 percent certainty he's not going to take another visit uh but uh you know from talking with multiple sources yesterday all of which were close to the scenario um I, I feel fairly confident that he's not going to but if he does uh then then things could get interesting once again i don't think there's anything there with huntley in georgia I think Huntley is going to stick with South Carolina and I think Jordan Birch is too. Uh, But I I don't think this is a scenario where George is trying to to pitch both of them and and take them as a package. I I think Jordan Birch is the guy they're really pushing for. And, um, and, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm sure they're trying to get him on campus, but we'll have to wait and see how the weekend unfolds. But as of yesterday, multiple people I spoke with would be surprised if that visit happened.
0: Yeah, and just kind of looking back at it with kind of how it all went down right before he committed, um, I think you and I both going in to the uh, the final day thought that LSU was probably the biggest competition. But I, looking back on it and kind of how it happened and sort of the shock uh, factor with other schools, Georgia was completely shocked that he went to South Carolina, which I don't understand um because i think lsu kind of felt like well he's either going to stay home or come here but georgia I, I think georgia thought they had him for whatever reason so it doesn't surprise me you know and i think they're sitting on what 19 commits right now so they have some space it doesn't surprise me that they they you know they're kind of like the, the the jilted ex-boyfriend that keeps showing up you know because <laughs> uh, they think they had it but um i'm uh you know that that doesn't surprise me uh and i'm with you i i, I think that if he visits Georgia, then you know it's not a five alarm fire but it's it's definitely something to kind of take, keep an eye on um because I think even if he visits, he's still probably going to end up in south carolina but uh you know it, it that that that's obviously not a good um a good thing uh, a positive thing because you don't you don't want any doubt uh here you know twelve days before he's supposed to sign. Uh, Huntley the same way you know I think Huntley's kept the door a little bit open to other schools uh, but he's one of those kids that never completely rules anything out but for a while now everything I've heard from very good sources on him uh, is that you know he's not going anywhere he's a game cock so that's the latest on the Hammond duo you know last week Henry Parrish we've talked a lot about Henry Parrish here on the podcast he goes visits Ole Miss and commits Tony, I think kind of like deep down inside when uh, I think it was Friday when we finally found out he was going to Ole Miss for the visit. I I think I sort of expected that for him to commit there uh, based on his relationship with the running backs coach, Kevin Smith, um, Lane Kiffin from their time at FAU. Uh, I'm sure they used the four and eight record, the hot seat talk. uh, But I also think they probably used Marshawn Lloyd a little bit against the Gamecocks as well. Uh, which is smart. You know, Ole Miss needs some commits. I mean, they they just got hired. Um, So the question here becomes, what direction now, outside of a surprising flip by Parrish, which I don't think is going to happen, in my opinion, where do they go at running back? You know, because I know they want another one. Zaquandre White, uh, who used to be at Florida State, now in JUCO, uh, he sent some mixed messages out on social media Uh, But you're hearing different uh, on him that um, he's a guy the Gamecocks are still recruiting and still feel somewhat good about. So what's the what's the strategy uh, based on what you're hearing on running back recruiting uh, moving forward uh, for the 2020 cycle?
1: Well, Parrish's commitment to Ole Miss has increased the need for Zaquandre White. And uh, I checked on it yesterday and checked on it again today. And, you know, the, the plan internally for South Carolina is to sign him, you know, unless they, they really got a, a poor academic report in terms of how he was tracking early in this semester. Uh, they're hopeful that he'll be able to enroll in uh, the summer, early summer, if possible, midsummer, hopefully at the latest. They don't want him to be a guy who comes in in August, if possible, because it just it, it lessens his ability to make an immediate impact. Um, Although, you know, the fact that he has been at a major college program like Florida State should give him the opportunity to learn the offense faster than your your normal junior college player who's never really experienced it before and would have a much bigger overall adjustment to make once he got to a program like South Carolina. Um, but you know, I, I checked on, you know, th- there was some talk on social media where he, he said he'd been lied to, but he didn't say it was South Carolina. <laughs> um, and you know, a lot of people read into it that it was the Gamecocks, I guess because he took some things down on his social media, but, um, you know, Gamecock related stuff, but you know, internally they, they are not aware of anything, any problems with him. They, um, you know, just want to continue tracking his academics and, and provided, uh, he can get in when they want him to get in. They their plan currently is to sign him in February and and then have him finish up his academic work over the the course of the spring semester and and probably first session of summer school.
0: Yeah, and I like him. I think he's a he's a pretty good player. I know you know he he moved positions at FSU, but I think his JUCO film checks out at running back. Um, who knows? what actually happened at FSU in terms of that position switch and all that I know they had Cam Akers and some other guys but uh, you know I I think he's a good guy I'll say this Tony I don't think he's going to start I mean I can't rule it out based on what I've heard so far about Marshawn Lloyd just in the few weeks he's been on campus um, in my opinion I I think Marshawn Lloyd could be a day one starter as a true freshman what are your thoughts
1: I I think that's very possible and I think him enrolling early increases that possibility. I, I think had he you know, followed his original plan, which was to you know enroll in the summer, I think it would have made it tougher on him. But now that he's in the strength program, going through winter conditioning work with Paul Jackson and the new strength staff, he's getting a head start academically. He's going to go through spring practice. Uh, I think he's going to be given every opportunity to win the job and and be the starter coming out of the spring. I think the idea with white is not so much that they would expect him to be the immediate starter uh, as they just want to get some separation um, you know, with the other running backs on the roster and have him come in and, and be able to provide depth and, and uh, just, it made sense from a roster standpoint. Uh, and also, like I said, you know, having a guy who's already been in a program like Florida States, they, they think he can make a, a fairly quick transition. So um, I, I, I think it, it, right now, I think it'll be Lloyd or Harris, Kevin Harris as, as the starter, and and I think, you know, the way the reps are going to break down over the course of the spring, Thomas Brown's going to look at all of those guys and they're going to get a lot of touches and he's going to figure out which one is most ready to be his number one back. And, uh, I think you know Marshawn Lloyd is coming into a good scenario for a true freshman, and I think there are some similarities to to when Marcus Lattimore arrived at South Carolina, and, and you know he wasn't an early enrollee, but he made a, a really quick impact in fall practice, and and it didn't take long for Steve Spurrier and and uh, that coaching staff to to make him their starter and feature him that season, and and you know while I I don't know that Lloyd will get that many carries, uh, I think that was a, a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, with a number of touches, Lattimore got as a true freshman. But I, I do think Lloyd's going to be a big part of the Gamecock offense this year.
0: Absolutely. You know, Kevin, I liked Kevin Harris. You know, the times he played, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, the Charleston Southern, are, yeah, they are – yeah, Charleston Southern Charleston Southern game was that that was probably the worst team I think I've ever seen South Carolina play. Nothing against Charleston Southern, but uh I know they they were not only that not that good, but they had to go practice in Charlotte all week and um so you can't tell a lot, but I thought he showed some good quickness and uh, I thought at times against other teams this year when he got back healthy, uh he was pretty good too. So I uh you know, I, I and I think Harris and Lloyd are two different types of backs. Um and could be a pretty good combo. Uh, you know, w- with White, you know, that's an older guy. And I do think that room needs an older guy because, you know, Harris is, a, what, a redshirt freshman. Lloyd's a true freshman. Fenwick's a redshirt sophomore. And you don't have anybody else. So uh, I think that's uh, that's solid. Now, moving forward with running backs, you know, and I don't know if it's Tion or Tyon. Tyon Evans for I think Hartson. it's Tyon. But... Tyon out at Hutchinson. You had a chance to watch him and some of his clips from out there, he uh uh he remains a very impressive player, in my opinion.
1: I agree with that. I, I think he's you he watch some of his film and, and he he looks like a potential difference maker. Uh now you never know how a, a especially a junior college player is going to adjust you know there a lot of times they're in junior college for a reason and 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 even if they have the talent they they can't make that transition to a major program but if he can make that transition and i, I think he's he's got some some pretty special qualities that you can't teach and just has the ability to make a lot of big plays with the ball in his hands and and uh, is, is someone the, the coaching staff would, would really like to sign if everything checks out academically and, and uh, you know, off the field. So he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on and, and would be a guy that I think could come in and, and make an immediate impact for him.
0: Yeah, and, and he, he's tracking right now as, as, as possibly 2021, 20, um, you know, with JUCO kids and grades and all that. And, and, and I've checked on him a couple of times, both people that kind of know him from Hartsville and also – you know, internally at South Carolina. And they all kind of say he's on track. He's got to graduate or whatever. But um, if he can get in for 2021, if he could be an early enrollee, like let's say he's at USC at this time next year, you know, even better. Um, And, you know, you you kind of – again, it's looking at social media. He doesn't do that many interviews. But uh, uh, you look at his social media, you know, it spurs up all day long, you know, with with kind of what he says. And, of course, the Gamecocks placed him – so that would be a big get, I think. And if Marshawn Lloyd has a good freshman year and then you bring this guy in, um, that's going to be a pretty good running back room moving forward. One more guy on running backs I'll ask you about, uh, Thad Franklin uh, from Miami, uh, former Miami commit, visits for junior day. Seems like he had a pretty good time. It seems like the, the Gamecocks and Thomas Brown are right there in the mix. I like him. He's a bigger back. He's kind of different than some of the other guys they've got um i I think he's a stud so uh what are your thoughts about thad franklin
1: yeah i like his film as well and and he had about as good a first visit as you can have uh i I think he really likes thomas brown he really likes the offense that that mike bobo showed him and and gave him a taste of what things are going to be like with with him in control of the offense and and i think there there are a lot of things for south carolina to sell now you know, he's from the Miami area, and, and you know, I don't think there's any question they're going to have to get him back on campus a couple more times. Uh, but I, I think, you know, they made a, a really strong first impression on him, and uh, I think they've got a chance to have some staying power there. But I would say they, they they'll try to get him back on campus this summer for camp. Uh, let him spend more time around Thomas Brown and, and Mike Bobo and the other coaches and, and get more comfortable with the program and the facilities. And, and if that goes well, then I think they, they would you know have a really good chance of getting him back on campus for an official visit, maybe during the season or after the season, and and have a chance to, to be a strong player for him. So uh, it was a, a good first step for sure.
0: Yeah, one more running back name I, I didn't mention, um, and I've mentioned this some this week, Chance Black from Dorman. Um, does have a Gamecock offer. I'm told he needs to come to camp. Uh, I'm also told they're looking at him at, at maybe as a wide receiver or a slot guy uh, in addition to a running back. So those of you that are in the upstate um, – and, Tony, I'm sure you're familiar with Chance Black. Um, you know, he is on the radar. He does have an offer to come to camp. They're going to check him out. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty good player too, quite frankly. I, I don't know where – he projects uh, in terms of like my personal opinion, do I think he's a running back or a receiver? Uh, but I think he's a heck of a player uh, up there from Dorman and uh, Gamecocks don't get that many guys out of Dorman. So uh, this may be, this may be the one if he comes to camp and he checks out. Yeah. I think he's a guy
1: they view more as an athlete than a pure running back. I think he's a guy that, that brings some versatility to the table. And, uh, and that's one of the things that attracted them to him watching his film and, and you know, his skill set. So, I think, you know, they'll have him in camp this summer and work him out at multiple positions and get a feel for where he fits in best and how he compares to some of the other players that are recruiting at receiver, running back, and just, you know, get a sense of, of where he best fits in. Uh, but he's, he's you know, one of the few in-state players they've offered in the 2021 class and is is one to keep an eye on.
0: Definitely. Um, so the 2021 class, uh, and that's kind of what we're digging into Today here on the inside the Gamecocks podcast, uh, you know that's the, the names are starting to emerge and all that. But we'll take you a step further. Twenty twenty two, um, Raven County High School. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, uh, maybe the day before. Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, are there to see Gunnar Stockton. He visited this past weekend. Mac Brown and Ricky Longo were there too. This is according to Jaybo Shaw, Connor's brother and the head coach there. His his Twitter account. Um, so it looks like the Gamecocks are going to be a player uh, for Gunner Stockton. Georgia uh, also gets a commit from 2021 five-star Brock Vandergriff. Um, so that mean, means their depth chart is emerging better. And, you know, one would think the Dogs would be a, a formidable uh, opponent for him. Uh, Tony, it looks like the Gamecocks, though, uh, right now, uh, and it's going to be a while, uh, I think, uh, to, to see this play out. But I think right now – you know, they're in pretty good shape for the number two. What, what is now the number two overall player uh, in the twenty twenty two class?
1: Yeah, they've got a lot of things working in their favor with them. Uh, you mentioned J-Bo Shaw. Uh, Connor Shaw's brother is his head coach. Uh, Connor Shaw is is someone he has a relationship with and is now you know has come on staff as Marcus Lattimore's replacement, and uh, I think that helps the Gamecocks. But the, the biggest thing is, is his relationship with Mike Bobo and Mike Bobo's father. Um, Bobo's father has been Stockton's personal quarterback coach since he was a young boy. And their families are very close. And there's a lot of trust and, and uh, mutual admiration there between those two. And then And Mike Bobo has a good relationship with him as well because of that and you know I, I spoke with someone who watched how they interacted with each other while stockton was on campus and and they you know they said it was it was obvious the the i guess the how genuine the, the relationship is there and and how comfortable stockton is around bobo and uh, it's not like a, a typical first visit with a coach where you're getting to know him you know they know each other and, and you could sense it in their body language and the way they interacted so obviously a lot of things can happen one way or the other for South Carolina on the field between now and and, and 2022. And, 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 you know, you you don't have a great feel for how the coaching staff situation is going to play out just yet. Uh, but I I think just based on how the dominoes, uh, shape up right now, I, I think a lot of them could fall in the Gamecocks favor if they can have a good 2021 season solidify the future of the coaching staff and that stability if Mike Bobo has a good year as a first year play caller uh, I think you know the Gamecocks could very well it could be the team to beat already mm-hmm. but I think if, if those things fall into place and and he feels really good about the future of the program uh, I think they have a chance to become the clear team to beat and and um he could be a a difference maker for them, and uh, I think would be the kind of quarterback who would attract other players other receivers other offensive linemen other running back players that that would want to play with him going forward so he could be a huge piece of the puzzle for the Gamecocks if they can pull him in
0: absolutely and and, you know other schools are going to say oh yeah we we know you love Mike Bobo but they're going to look at him and say well he's not going to be there you know that that, that's kind of the that's how you blow that up if you're Oh, I don't know, North Carolina or or maybe Georgia or or whoever else. I mean, there's a lot of Tennessee. Whoever's going to recruit the guy. Um, And and so, in my opinion, you know, and quarterbacks recruit, I mean, commit early. I mean, Luke Doty committed way early. Um, And and that's just how it is these days. But I would think, Tony, that if he doesn't commit, it's not a bad thing because I think that probably means he's waiting to see how the season this year unfolds. Uh, and making sure his guys are safe uh, before he jumps in. So, uh, if we see some 2022 quarterbacks commit, um, and Gunnar Stott is still out there uncommitted, and and he's making visits and things like that to South Carolina. I, I think that's a good sign. Uh, whereas normally it's better if they go ahead and jump on board. But uh, I think that's a that's a good sign, just because I, I know what the counter to him wanting to go to South Carolina is going to be. It's going to be, yeah, you got these great relationships, but you know, hey. What happens if they're not there? You know, that that's kind of the, that's the argument I would use, and I guarantee you that's the argument everybody else is going to use. So I think that makes it very important uh, to kind of turn things around on the field next year. So, so what about 2021? Um, I know Dan Werner sort of was recruiting Colton Gaultier a little bit. Uh, I don't, from what I've heard, I don't know that Mike Bobo, I don't know that he's too high on him. I think that's, sort of what happens when there's a changing of the guard. Uh, I know Bobby Bentley's involved with quarterback uh, recruiting now. I know they've offered Doug Nussmeier's kid out of Texas. Um, they did offer Vandergriff. But, you know, wh- wh- what direction do you think that position will go for 2021 with Stockton sort of looming for 2022, with Luke Doty already there and Ryan Helensky, a young player, still already there? Um I think they have to take a quarterback in 2021, but how do you see it kind of shaking out?
1: Yeah, they do plan to take one, but I I don't have any sense of who it's likely to be at this point. From what I I was told a couple of days ago, Bobo's plan is to scout several quarterbacks during the evaluation period. Uh, He may have gone to see some already uh, in person, even though he wouldn't be able to see them throw. Uh, He he wanted to see – uh, as many guys as he could in person this month. And then when the evaluation period kicks in, he wants to go watch spring practices and see players throw. And then it could potentially go all the way into the into June for camp uh, when he has you know multiple quarterbacks in to work out for him and, and can see them uh, in person. From what I understand, you know, in terms of, of guys they would have a chance to land, he hasn't watched film on any 2021 guys that he is just blown away by and, and says, that's our guy. So uh, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you, know, you want to see every player in person, obviously, but I, I think it's it's extremely important for quarterbacks. Film can lie when it comes to quarterbacks, depending on, you know, level of competition, type of offense they run, uh, you know, and, and I think you also see guys in seven-on-seven type environments, and, and it, it can deceive you, uh, but you, you get them – you know, you watch them in spring practice and then get them on campus for camp and, and spend a lot of time with them and dig into their minds and, and how they think and, and how quickly they adjust and, and how they see things on the field compared to how Mike Bobo sees them. Uh, I think he'll, he'll eventually zero in on some guys and, and land a good one. Uh, I just don't know who it's going to be yet.
0: Yeah, and probably uh, lessons learned from Bryce Ramsey and Jacob Park on that too. I, I think that when you eva- – coaches that evaluate well – don't always bat a thousand, but when they make a mistake, they learn. <laughs> and they're like, ah, well, this is why this guy didn't work out. So there's red flags they look for. I, I think Carolina in 2021, they-, they need to land a guy. They need to land like a Chase Bryce, uh, the kid that just decided to transfer from Clemson, that kind of guy. Um, Mac Jones, who's at Alabama, who was the backup this year. Um I think that, 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 you know, what I call the sandwich guys, I think a lot of programs need to do it because you get a guy like that that's kind of developmental, that's got some tools that when he's, you know, (laughs) or or Dylan Thompson comes to mind too, that when he's a junior or senior, he can start games and win games for you. Those guys aren't going to get there and say, oh, I'm a four or five star. Oh, I'm going to leave when they don't win the job because you can only play one. So uh, I kind of feel in my heart like that type of guy, uh, is probably what they're targeting for 2021. Then you go get Gunnar Stockton in 2022, um, and away you go. So that's good. One position I've noticed, and uh, you know Mike Bobo is not the only new coach at South Carolina. Joe Cox is the new tight ends coach. I've noticed just a plethora of tight ends offered, getting offered, visiting, uh, all that good stuff. Um, Jordan Dingle, kid from Bowling Green, Kentucky, comes in last week. You got Oots, I think. He, I think he pronounced it Oots. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. For Rock Hill, who, uh, man, I I watched some of his basketball stuff there. I thought he was very impressive. Uh, in state kid, big, strong, physical kid. Uh, you know, I don't know that this tells us much because I think we're kind of seeing a collision of guys that Bentley offered. And then new guys that Joe Cox is offering, and, and they're kind of formulating a board. Um, but my question is, is is you know, you look at the tight ends, uh, the double tight end stuff Roper used and McClendon used, um, and then you kind of look at Bobo, who uses versatile guys like that. Are, are we looking at a change in sort of how these guys are used? You know, I know they need some depth there, but are, but are we looking at, at them having a serious need? In terms of types of tight ends they need, uh, or, or is this just kind of your normal early recruiting cycle? Uh, you know, multiple guys kind of type of situation that'll work itself out. I, I, I haven't heard anything uh, concrete, but um, you know, I, just kind of looking at it, I can see they there may be some differences.
1: Well, I would imagine there, there's going to be some differences. You know, Bobo has his own philosophy on, on what he wants to do offensively, and I think the tight end position and the fullback position are both going to be a part of what he does offensively. I, I can't say I've had a discussion with anyone on, on what the differences might be, uh, but I, I, would, I, I would assume – there's some similarities and some differences. You know, they they want the the guys with the right size, the versatility to, to line up in multiple spots, catch the ball, but also physical enough to block and and you know, be a a, a part of becoming a more physical offense at the point of attack. So, um, but I think the the one thing that isn't up for debate is that the tight end is going to be a big part of what South Carolina does. I spoke with a, a college coach who said that, that that was the position to watch. In his opinion, uh, that and running back were the two positions that he thought would improve the fastest under Mike Bobo in terms of the, the talent that they're bringing in and, and uh, the the overall picture that they would have to sell to those players, that, that they're going to be a big part of what he does. And, and uh, he's put a lot of tight ends into the NFL over the years at Georgia and and same with running backs and, and, and plans to have a, a similar approach at South Carolina.
0: Yeah, you think back to those tight ends they had at Georgia. Man, they – shoot, they had a lot of guys. Uh, Just lined them up. Um, I don't know kind of what happened down there. Isaac Nada comes in and kind of disappoints a little bit. And, um, you know, they're they're not tight end university anymore. But uh, the Gamecocks have had their share of tight ends as well. But I'm with you. And and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, next year, you know, uh, assuming he gets healthy and comes back hundred percent, Nick Muse uh, in Mike Bobo's offense. I think he could be a weapon. Um, I hate to use the player comparison, but he, he reminds me of how Aaron Hernandez was as a player at Florida. Uh, forgive me for making that comparison, but that's the only guy I can really think of when I, when I kind of compared Nick Muse to somebody player wise. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's, he's a guy that they can definitely use. Um and in this offense, that, that should happen. So, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that goes. Certainly the Gamecocks are in on a lot of tight ends for 2021, and we'll see how it goes. Um, so the Senior Bowl this week's happening, Tony. And, and Javon Kinlaw, uh, you know, everybody talks about the great story. Um, I think, you know, his hard work and, and what he kind of became as a player was outstanding, uh, you know, I don't know that I expected him to go to the Senior Bowl and for everybody to universally be talking about him as a guy that's you know making a lot of noise and seeing his draft stock uh, improve. But um, looks like he's doing it. Does this surprise you at all with uh, what Javon's doing down in Mobile? Not really. You know, I think
1: he his progression from the day he arrived at South Carolina to what he was this past year. Uh, has has been a a, a big progression. Uh, he was a very very raw player when he got to Columbia. He had a lot of things you couldn't teach. I know I say that a lot about certain players, but you you can't teach six five three hundred plus pounds and uh, and and a guy who can move the way he can. Uh, not only speed wise, but also just quickness, just that initial twitch off the ball, uh, and then the strength that he has with it. Uh, you know he was you know pushing 360 when he got to south carolina made the commitment to to change his diet change his conditioning and and lose that much weight as quickly as he did and then basically played all of of his junior year with an an injured hip that was surgically repaired after the year and 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 he didn't realize just how much that was limiting him until he got it repaired and then it was you know, like putting gas on the fire and and he really just took off. And he was the heart and soul of South Carolina's defense this year. He was the guy who set the tone for them. Uh, I said after the Georgia game that he made himself a lot of money that day with the way he, he pushed Georgia's offensive line around the entire game uh, and and got it in the backfield and made multiple plays and was the reason why Israel Mokwamu made a couple of his interceptions uh, it was because of, of what Kenlaw did at the point of attack. And, and, you know, it wasn't just that game. I mean, he, he played well uh, the vast majority of the year. And uh, I think as a guy that you're going to see start getting mentioned in the in potential top ten of some of these mock drafts, it's hard to say if he'll go top ten just because, uh, you know, it, that that order of, of players changes so often between now and the draft. Uh, but I think he's, he's done nothing. But help himself so far this week, based on the reports at the Senior Bowl, and and I think a lot of teams are going to be salivating over him now that they've seen him in person.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt in my opinion, and I, you know, uh, it'll be good for him, you know, regardless of where he gets drafted. I, I think, you know, as of right now, he's definitely a first rounder, and that means a big payday and all that. So, and he's in a position too, Tony, where you know, defensive linemen they kind of tend to trend higher in the draft. Um, you know, there may be a spotlight running back or, or something like that. I, I'll say this. You know, when, when Kinlaw came out of Goose Creek, a, a lot of folks, you know, he didn't have the grades. Um, the old staff wasn't going to take him. Um, looked like he was going to go to East Carolina as an offensive lineman, and maybe they were going to place him. Uh, I'll say this. I I think Javon Kinlaw could have been a, a very good offensive tackle. Um you know, and, and and maybe would have been you know as as coveted as he is at defensive tackle, but uh, I I think that you know because of his grade situation, uh, a, a lot of people sort of missed the boat and wanted to pigeonhole him. You know, maybe his conditioning, things like that. Uh, but once he went to junior college. Um, and you saw the defensive clips, you kind of got an idea of like what exactly this guy could potentially become. There's a reason Alabama and Southern Cal and everybody else tried to flip him from the Gamecocks. Um, and he came back and remained loyal. And, uh, and you know, everybody knows his story about being homeless and kind of overcoming some odds. You know, And, and I think that's very powerful uh, in terms of when you go out and recruit, especially within the state, uh, particularly within the low country of South Carolina, which produces a lot of football talent, uh, where you can point to a guy like that and say, hey, you know, look at what he did. We all remember Tony Lane Kiffin telling Alshon Jeffrey years ago that he'd be pumping gas if he stayed in the state of South Carolina. Uh, and, and since that point, you can kind of point to Ken Law and you know, dozens of other examples of kids that have stayed at home and actually bettered their lot in life. Uh, by staying at home and going to South Carolina uh, then maybe some that have left. And so I, I think that's tremendous. Now, now, so on that note, uh, powerful recruiting stories to, to, to tell. Um, NFL drafts coming up. Ken Law, uh, obviously first-round guy. I think DJ Wanham will get drafted. I think Brian Edwards, if the injury checks out, will get drafted and probably will anyway. It may just be in the later round. So the Gamecocks are starting to put some guys in the NFL. you got Rashad Fitton and Chris Lamont playing in the Super Bowl on one side. And then Debo Samuel, you know, has really been one of the better players for the 49ers, uh, making big plays down the stretch during their playoff run. Um, Second-round guy, in-state guy from South Carolina. So, so how much does this NFL success, you know, in, in your opinion – Impact recruiting. I, I think to me, outside of winning, uh, it, it's it's one of the strongest selling points you can have. Uh, and and when you're look, when you're not winning and you're looking for selling points, uh, I think success on the next level, uh, when you look at it, um, you know, can, can really really help uh, when you're trying to close the deal with some recruits that uh, you know want to get uh, to the NFL. No question.
1: You know, you you talk about the best players in the country, the best prospects in the country every year, they want two things when it comes down to it. They want to win and they want to play in the NFL one day. And if you have uh, the right story to sell from an NFL standpoint, there's no question it helps coaches from a recruiting standpoint and um, just from an overall message standpoint. And, and, you know, a couple of guys you didn't even mention, absolutely they didn't play for this coaching staff, but Stefan Gilmore, just named the Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL. Uh, to my knowledge, that's the first time a Gamecock player has done that. You know, Jadavion Clowney is probably going to be the most sought after free agent uh, in the NFL this year, uh, assuming he doesn't resign with Seattle. Uh, you know, and then the other guys you mentioned, I mean, Debo, especially of, of the ones played in the Super Bowl. I would have to think is going to have a major role for San Francisco in that game with, with how productive he's been in the second half of the season as a runner, as a receiver, as a blocker. I mean, he just is he can do it all for them and and I would imagine he's going to be in a pretty big spotlight in the Super Bowl. So, uh all of those things You can sell as a coaching staff, and and I think it's something that the staff really needs to emphasize, whether it's players they coached or players they didn't. When you have players on campus, you have to sell the number of of players from South Carolina who are in the NFL right now and and really use that to to, – you know, paint a picture of of what can happen for other players if they come to South Carolina.
0: Yeah, and Alshon Jeffrey went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago too with the Eagles, and yeah, I mean we're we're kind of in an, in a stage now where a lot of the better spurrier players, the, the superstars, um, you know, are are in the prime of their NFL careers. You know, Clowney and Gilmore, uh, you know, Gilmore's just gotten better and better, um, you know, and I think that's a that's a strong selling point. As is the fact that you got Dennis Daly. Uh, starting for the Panthers, some games this year, and and Fenton and Lamonts, two guys. Honestly, I didn't expect to make a roster. Um, those guys. And I never
1: understood why the Carolina Panthers went back to Greg Little when yeah. he came back from injury because Daly outplayed him the entire yeah. season. So that that was a, a strange move. I, I, Little struggled. Daly was extremely solid and had a great rookie year and uh, i i thought they made a mistake there uh, yeah. i thought they should have stuck with Daly.
0: of course greg little uh, gamecock legacy who went to old miss uh, during the hugh freeze era <laughs> amazing how some of those guys ended up at old miss but uh anyway well uh yeah so super bowl coming up that'll be good to see debo samuel spartanburg county guy so always got a pull for the guys from the homestead. Debo certainly has had a, a special second half of his rookie season. Well, that's all the time we have for today on the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Uh, check us out iTunes, uh, Spotify, um, all kinds of places where you can subscribe here. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll holla at you soon.